Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What do governments actually know about UFOs, UAPs? Are recent UFO revelations from the Pentagon really revelations? If and when full disclosure comes, can it be trusted? Welcome to our 1002nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON, AM and FM radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube as well. I'm Ben and that was Paul and today uh, is the first show of, actually well it's the, technically it's the, is it the first show of our 16th year or was that last week? That would have been last week. Okay, so it's the second show of our 16th year, and we bring you uh, a really interesting guest on a very interesting subject that's that we don't really talk about. Well, we talk about it, but our guest is kind of the forefront of that. Uh, so joining us for the first time since 2016, uh, Stephen Bassett is a political activist, disclosure advocate, and executive director of Paradigm Research Group, PRG. PRG was founded in 1996 to fight government cover-ups of the truth behind UFOs, or also known as UAPs. Uh, he has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure, defined as the formal confirmation by heads of state of an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media, including CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and in the Washington Post and New York Times. In 2013, PRG organized and conducted a citizen hearing on disclosure at the National Press Club in Washington. In 2014, PRG launched a two-year political initiative that injected the ET issue into the 2016 presidential campaign. The website is ParadigmResearchGroup.org. Well, unfortunately, Stephen uh, has not joined us. Uh, He has confirmed the other day, and we've been trying to reach out to him, but uh, apparently there is some glitch somewhere. We're hoping he will join us at some point during the show. Um, but anyway, uh, we admire his work, his dedication, and his persistence in this cause. Now, a number of times on this show we have disagreed, uh, but we respect uh, certainly his work. Ah, Stephen. Oh, there he is. Hey, my partner. I'm Get our blood pressure going there, Steve. Get this out of here. Okay, we got an audio there, Uh We do. He's probably just adjusting and very quickly oh, okay. getting into it. So we'll let you get ready, Stephen, and uh, just okay. give, give us a give us a little nod or a thumbs up when you're ready. I will. Very close to it. We were just saying how much we admire you and your dedication. Wunderbar. Okay, so he's getting ready. But we have, but we have him on the line with us, ladies and gentlemen, and it's going to be a really interesting time, especially with all all the recent information coming out, and all all the the more sort of public ish type things coming out from the Pentagon, different reports and groups and etc. and and kind of what the implications are for you know politics at large. There's definitely um, a lot of implications. For really, you know, everyday life, I suppose. You know, you know, your regular average Joe on the street who may or may not care, really, 
because there's a really interesting phenomenon, especially with my generation, where you know the the whole idea of extraterrestrials kind of being out there is is not super foreign. It's kind of like, well, no. yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's like you know even even with or without government confirmation, it's just kind of like, well, yeah. I think I think um, I saw a I want to say it was the Pew Research Group. No, it was a Gallup poll from I, I want to say it was like 2017. I don't have, a, have have the date off the top of my head, but I looked at it recently, and it was basically saying that 75% of Americans believe that there is extraterrestrial life. I think it was something like 25% said that they thought it was like, you know, that they actually showed up on Earth and interacted with us. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, right, you know, it's it's like, well, of course, you know, the universe is huge. Of course there's got to be something else out there. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I guess uh, Steve is ready. Hey, can you uh, let me see if okay. I got the right mic? Let me see if I got that right sure mic. Enough, uh, yeah, when in doubt. Okay, very good. I'm ready. Okay, Ben Wonderful. is going to ask the big question. So we already did your your glowing intro as we typically do. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll you, you missed that part. <laughs> Sorry if we missed the ego boost. Um, so we're going to hop right into it and say when it comes to disclosure, what's in it for the government to tell us anything at all? That is a very interesting question. Um, I hope you're just one real quick question. When I, I'm seeing myself on the screen here, and it's like, kind of like compressed. Are you seeing it that way? No. So well, you, look, you look good. No. I look so so quick quick uh, explanation. Little little look behind the scenes here, everybody. Um, there's a little video switcher next to me. Uh, this controls the video feed that goes out. Um, so whatever is going into uh, Skype, you will see as going out on the internet. Um, it is not exactly what it looks like. It's just kind of a little reflection for you. So do not be okay. do not be concerned about the man on the screen. So you haven't lost weight. Okay. Look. Um, oh, I need to. Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. What is it? What is in it for the United States government, the UK government, or any government to have a open, transparent relationship with the citizens of their country, right? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we we have been finding that out in the United States uh, big time. Um, my whole life has been uh, an observer to a massive conflict, not that there haven't been massive conflicts over the centuries, between, quote, the Western democratic world and the authoritarian world, which is predominantly one that is rooted directly or indirectly with uh, communism. Communism is most supposedly a economic concept versus our economic concept, which is capitalism. But communism is 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 such a is such that it virtually controls the economy as well. So it's 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 both. It's a, a a governing philosophy and it is an economic philosophy. Whereas in our in the West we have a democracy which is the governing philosophy, and then we have capitalism which is the economic philosophy. Okay, West versus each. My whole life has been watching this unfold, and the principle. Uh, participants turns out started out the United States and the Soviet Union a vast, vast nation 
the largest in the world by far in land mass, not in population, and then eventually China. So now it's come down to that still. The U.S. versus China, Russia. Watch this my entire life. And the one identifying thing about authoritarianism that is uh, antithetical to uh, the West and to America and the UK is control and truth. The authoritarian governments do not have to tell the truth. They don't tell the truth. They say whatever they want. They have ministries of propaganda. It's professional. It's virtually accepted. The, The citizens of these countries know that they're being pumped with propaganda, but they don't have any choice but to simply acknowledge it, go along with it. If they don't, there are severe penalties. In the West, we also have propaganda. Lots of it, but not quite in the same way. In the West, we have gotten into the propaganda game primarily in service to the national security interests. And it goes like this. You know, they use propaganda, so we have to use it as well. They have nukes, so we have nukes. They have tanks, so we have tanks. Right? And so forth. And so as, as my life has proceeded, I have watched how the West has morphed and changed to adapt to this this uh, existential conflict that has emerged like nothing the world has ever seen. Meaning, we have to defend our country against the authoritarian states. We will do whatever it takes. If we have to lie, we will lie. And so forth. We will try to honor our fundamental principles. We will try to honor our constitution, etc. But ultimately, we have to defend against the enemy. Right? And so we built huge structures of in, for secrecy and intelligence and spying to match up with theirs. This is what I have seen my entire life. At the same time, starting virtually at the time I was born, Roswell, five months after I was born, six months after I was born, uh, that was you know a little present that life brought me. Hi, Steve. Welcome to this world. There's a crash vehicle. It just landed or crashed in, in Roswell. We've had the presence of extraterrestrials, right? And so that has been the extraneous factor. So what am I trying to get at? I'm trying to get at the fact that in service to the Cold War, the nuclear arms race, and the reality of extraterrestrials, which neither the West or the East was willing to to convey to the to their citizens, to tell the truth about, we have seen the undermining of trust in government in the West, particularly the United States, far exceeding what should have been appropriate or that we can tolerate. The the trust in government in Soviet Union and China is is artificial. If you ask them, do you support Putin? They say yes, of course. To say no would be ill-advised. Same thing for Xi. So we really don't know what the, the, the people of China or the people of Russia really think about the government, but we know that they had damn well 
give the right answers to those questions. The West is different. And so, particularly in democracy, and this is, this is the dilemma that we face. Authoritarian states like China and Russia run on uh, secrecy. They run on controlling. They run on propaganda. That's how they stay together. I get it. In Western democracies, propaganda, lack of trust, undermines and literally destroys, can destroy the government. In other words, we don't have the luxury of operating the way these kinds of nations, such as China and Russia, operate. And yet we have had to. And so we have seen trust in government erode to the to the point. And again, I, I'm I'm talking about the United States. There are there, there are there. It's somewhat happening in the UK, but I I, I cannot say that it's the same level here. Uh, we it's gotten to the point where the United States is coming apart. It is literally unraveling. Uh, not only is it having to spend untold trillions of dollars in service to the Cold War and to all of its secrecy and intelligence, but the trust in the, the Congress, in officials and authority and the police, the White House, is being ripped to pieces. And, and some of it is caused by the fundamental policy of non-transparency, but it's also being caused by the uh, internecine and conflicting battles going on as people lose trust and they start fighting with each other over everything. Our Congress is ground to a halt. We cannot get anything done. Uh, we are suffering from a, a host of problems that, that a democracy should not suffer from, and yet we cannot solve them. And so the simple answer to your question is the number one thing that will benefit the United States by ending this truth embargo is it will be a giant step in the direction of regaining the trust of the American people in government before everything comes to a halt and we have untold problems beyond what we can solve. Yeah, That's the that number question. one reason. We've asked yes, that question to uh, a number of big names in the field and you're the first one who has given what I consider a credible answer to that question. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. Um, I, I think that there's, it makes it makes a lot of sense because there's not much you can really trust from the government in general, right? I mean, you know, we uh, we we as as your your everyday citizens, you know, it's it, every, everything's kind of up in the air, and people don't like chaos. Everything's very chaotic. Nobody knows what's going on in, in the age of social media. You know, there's there's so many different stories that are being told. And one of the things that uh, – it was a really interesting sociological concept. I can't remember off the top of my head, but essentially it was like um, media hegemony, right, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and then the 90s that kind of changed where you really – you only had like three or four sources of, of news, right? You had, your, you had your newspaper, maybe the cable news and radio, and they, they were all owned by the same people and it was all the same stuff. So you, you heard all the same stories over and over and over again. But now there's so many different outlets – that say so many different things and it's all confusing and everybody's divided. Arguably, social media is is invented to divide people because it keeps people engaged. When you're when you're angry, you're upset, you know, you, you get engaged more, unfortunately. And that's you know part of the part of the big problem with twenty four hour news networks and now social media where people are yelling into the void about everything. 
So I guess my my question would be, I mean, ev- even if you know the, the government comes forward and they're like, yes, aliens exist. We know they're here. They're among us. You know, maybe they're in Congress. Who knows, right? Because um, you never know. And and you know that's. But at the same time, it's like, how is that going to affect our everyday person? You know, how can we trust that what they're telling us is true? Let me uh, offer a somewhat counter-narrative to that. Um, social media was not invented to, to divide us. Social media is the natural evolution of technology, which the 20th century was the most remarkable century in all of history. Uh, maybe this century will surpass it, but in terms of the techno- evolution of technologies across a huge spectrum, the world had never seen anything like it. And social media, alternative media, communi- alternative communications, cheap equipment, cheap technology, cameras, microphones, all of that was inevitable and was going to happen. It wasn't invented to uh, divide us. Well, no, that's not what I'm but, saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is eventually it came to be that. You know, initially it wasn't, but then over time it ended up turning into this sort of monster that, you know, whether we created or it just sort of ran out of control. Well, the point I'm making is is that is that it actually will end up being a blessing. But initially, the democratization of media, meaning there, there are people, well, there are hundreds of thousands I think the total number of podcasts, they can't get a number on it, but it's well above a million. Some have said four million podcasts, X number of them being commercially viable. doesn't matter. There are people, there are kids, young adults, who are podcasting from a studio in their basement with the lighting, the the microphones, and the cameras and so forth, uh, and creating uh, an output which is comparable to what people were seeing in the late 1950s in the United States from the professionals, right? The democratization of media is a major trend. Unfortunately, the nature of it is this. It was going to amplify the realities of the Grady politic. It was going to amplify the societal reality. There's something similar about money. It is said that when, when you get a lot of money, when someone gets a huge amount of money, it doesn't change them. It just magnifies who they are. And it's the same thing with the, the rise of, of uh, democratization of media. Not surprisingly, uh, this growing distrust in government, living under the Damocles sword of mutual assured destruction and nuclear war for an entire lifetime, when this began to happen in the late uh, 1990s, mid to late 1990s, and just took off, right? all of the angst and distrust that people had been building up for their lifetime, whether it was short or long, uh, manifested and came out in uh, the, the social media world and in, in the, uh, the uh, uh, citizen, democracy, citizen journalism world. In other words, people had a chance to voice their uh, uh, their feelings, video their feelings, share their feelings in ways unprecedented. Not just locally, not just in their neighborhood, but globally. Meaning you could put a podcast up 
and somebody might be watching it uh, on the other side of the world. And so it became a reflection of exactly where we were going. It told us how uh, how uh, bad things were, and people blame the social media for that, right? In other words, you're you're dividing us by showing us how divided you are. Hmm. No, no, it really made it quite clear what's going on. So that is a blessing. We have gotten the message, right? That you, if if you want to see the democratization of of, of journalism and media in our world to be civil, to not be grotesque, uh, to not be filled with propaganda and nonsense, then the government has got to get out of the propaganda and nonsense business. It has to start rebuilding the trust in people. And so this is the dilemma that we face. Now, here is where it gets good. The major problems that we have, which certainly include the... The, this, the Cold War II that we're under and the reproliferation, if not in numbers, but in types of nuclear weapon technology, right? The proliferation or the continuation of major massive authoritarian states. China has the largest population in the world and Russia has the largest land mass in the world and they are both heavily authoritative. And then, of course, there are other other nations, smaller nations. Uh, the, 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 the social media is challenging the, these authoritarian states, putting them on, under tremendous pressure and revealing to everyone very easily what goes on there. Same thing in the West, same thing in the United States. Social media is clearly showing the world the flaws in... American democracy, the American system, and in the West in general, and creating a serious amount of dissatisfaction. At the same time, social media is created the potential for activism at a level unprecedented. Activism is about bringing together a certain number of people, a percentage of a population regarding an issue of great importance to try to get it resolved. We have seen very powerful and, and long-lasting social uh, um, uh, activist movements throughout the 20th century and before, and we've seen them come to some sort of culmination and success. Right? Well, the problems have only gotten worse and more complicated, and so social media allows you to bring together that minimal collective group to get the message out in ways unprecedented before. The civil rights movement in the 50s was going around with uh, what they call mimeograph machines, right? Uh, where you'd, I you'd, remember you'd, those. You'd crank it out, all right, and then you'd hand things out at the corner. You didn't have access to the media that much at all. Now, not the case. And so while social media and all of the democratization we see in journalism may be reflecting and, and showing us awful stuff, at the same time, it is offering the solution to the fundamental problem. We now have the power to act collectively in ways we could not. We just need a focus and a and a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A vehicle to move forward with. This is where the truth embargo and the ET issue comes in. In other words, the truth embargo is a lie. 
told to the entire planet by all 200 nations to one degree or another. And it's been that way for 76 years. The major nations, of course, have done the major lying, but all the rest of the other nations to one degree, either by intention or by uh, by refusing to take to step forward, has lied to their people. So all 8 billion people on this planet now have lived their entire life under a lie being propagated by their, their nation, their country, their authority to one degree or another. And that lie is that we are being engaged by non-human intelligence. The galaxy has more than one civilization. It may have untold numbers of civilizations. And therefore, you need to know that and factor that into how you live, how you, how you want to be governed, and where we are going as a species. That lie is coming to an end. And social media is playing in a very important role in that. I have done hundreds and hundreds of podcasts online and interviews online. Not not only the podcast, but also to uh, regular media, right? Uh, I can't. I've, I've lost track of how many. The websites, the mailing lists, all of this, all of this has been in service to ending this lie. And so, what I hope to see is very soon the end of the truth embargo for which everyone involved in in uh, the, the social media and, and, and citizen journalism, which includes you gentlemen, obviously, should pat themselves on the back, celebrate, and then get down to business. Because once that lie is ended, and it's coming soon, and the world finally knows we are not the only sentience in this galaxy, and we are, we are privileged to have a number of, <laughs> of civilizations engaging us, right, as they see fit, once that lie has ended, then all of this technology will offer, if we choose to accept, the basis on which the entire world's population can act in somewhat in concert to respond to that paradigm shift and say, okay, in a galaxy in which there are countless civilizations of which we are just one, countless planets with life of which we are just one, how are we going to run this planet going forward? How are we going to allow ourselves to be governed going forward? What are our values? What things can we fix? What mistakes can we correct? That is what this is heading for. This is why I do what I do. Okay. Disclosure. The end of that lie is the best and maybe the only chance we have to get things right before things get worse beyond our imagination. All right. Let's take our mid-show break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM, in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with Steve Bassett. Casey Kasem has unlocked the American Top 40 vaults and is replaying original shows from the 80s. This week, Casey takes you back to June 25, 1983. That's when Prince partied like it was 1999. Eurythmics were having sweet dreams. Eddie Grant was cruising down Electric Avenue. And Rick Springfield was having an affair of the heart. You'll hear those songs, all the top 40 hits, and the long-distance dedications from June 25, 1983, right here on American Top 40, the 80s. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you 
live from WON AM and FM radio here in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley right here on the corner of Park Ave and Kennedy Street. And so we have our wonderful guest, Stephen Bassett, with us, and we're talking about disclosure. And I guess we'll, we'll take a little listener question here from uh, one of our faithful listeners, Phil, uh, down in the uh, flap area of Savannah, Georgia. Um, and Phil writes to us, If disclosure is coming from the U.S. government, how can we believe what they say? Which we kind of already talked about a little bit. Uh, He continues, It seems they have had plenty of time to design a disinformation campaign to further muddy the waters on what is really going on. Any comments, Stephen? Sure, they've had plenty of time also to get it right and tell the truth. That's a good point. (laughs) See? Uh, they've They've been lying all along. Uh, and we call it a lie. Again, I call it a truth embargo, which is what it is. Um, but it, lying is essential to that embargo. It's not the only thing. They've been lying after 73 years, and we and, and, and increasingly the, the number of people that know this are, has grown. It's a very large number now. Uh, there, there's been, there's some recent, I think there's some polling going on right now, and we're going to see, I think, the number of people that believe that this phenomenon is real jumping very high. It could get up in the U.S. in the 80s to 90 percent, mm. and we're going to see the number of people that believe that it is, in fact, non-human in origin is going to be well above 50 percent. This is a huge number of people. All right, so the the uh, the government's lying. We've known it, and now we're going to move away from that. Well, you, the idea that as all of this has taken place and we have, and, and all the things that have happened in the last five years have unfolded, that that's going to lead to even more effective government lying is highly unlikely. Mm. Uh, there, it, at some point, there's only one door left, and that's the truth, and that's the only door they have now. And so they have to go through that door, and they are. There are indications everywhere that the United States government, and I can go into details, uh, has clearly made the decision that it's time to tell the truth about this issue. Uh, okay. And that decision is being made within the Department of Defense. It is also being made in Congress. Uh, and the various n- steps necessary to get this truth to us in a way that is minimally disruptive, uh, appropriate, participatory, meaning we're part of that process, Regardless of whether it's five years, ten years, fifty, seventy-three years late, still that process is underway. And the one thing that I have to remind people constantly uh, is that the 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 institutions like the Congress, like the White House, like the Department of Defense, and the military services of the United States, and I think I can say the same thing for the UK. These institutions, as institutions, meaning people within them who have a need to know, have the clearance to know, have been well aware of the ET presence since day one. And day one is no later than 1946 July. Could have been easily sooner, 43, 32, but certainly no later than 46. They have known. All of the governments of the world that have significant technology and, 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 and the ability to pay attention have known about this the entire time. This is not something they just learned about. And so the, what follows is that they've had this long to think about how they would finally confirm this truth to, to their citizen. They, and, and, it went, and by thinking about it, I'm talking about supercomputers running gaming or um, uh, profiling possibilities and options 
and reactions and trying to predict how things will go. This is what governments do. This is certainly what uh, the big nations do, like the United States and others. Uh, they have been, and they've even farmed out studies to public relations firms under a very secret contract how to do this. So they're not unprepared. That doesn't mean it's easy. And so what you're seeing, the legislation, the coming out of national security directors and former CIA directors and astronauts and on and on and on and on, mostly in the U.S., though I think you're going to see more in the U.K., what you're seeing is this unfolding process in which they're going from truth embargo to no embargo. All right? Mm. And it's happening, it's picking up speed with each passing month. It, it should have already happened, but the point at which the truth embargo starts to come undone, we are confronted with extraordinary historical circumstances, which is the way things go. All right? There's always something going on, but what we've seen in the last five years is, I would say, particularly interesting. The United States has undergone uh, politics of a nature I never imagined. Uh, I'm not saying that there is a worse politics in other countries. Yeah, but usually they're smaller, right? There are countries where fights break out all the time in the parliament or whatever, and you see these videos of them beating the crap out of each other right on the floor of the of the governing body. Uh, no, it's not that bad, but it's pretty damn bad. So the politics in the United States is just a disaster. It's almost infantile, and it's a real problem. Okay, at the same time, uh, Russia is starting to come apart because of the desires and hopes and dreams and problems of one man, Putin. At the same time, the world was hit with a massive pandemic, which if it weren't for modern technology would have probably killed hundreds of millions of people. And not, and this is just a side side uh, item to mention, because of all of the distrust that I had ta- I talked about earlier, that's been growing in the world over these decades. Because of the distrust, the world did not respond appropriately to that pandemic because they couldn't believe anybody and fought over it like children, right? And as a result, millions of people died unnecessarily. There are consequences to a um, a uh, there are consequences to a, a a a societal contract, a social contract where nobody can believe anybody. It's not like oh gee, it just makes it more inconvenient. No, 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 no. A co- social contract that's corrupted to that point starts killing people, not by the hundreds, not by the thousands, but by the millions, in war and in stupid reactions to major issues like a global pandemic. So that happened. All right, so well, let's fu- get a question in from Ben here. So, sure. so we're going to take a quick half step uh, backwards. And and you, you brought up a really interesting point. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, and if I, if I misspeak, please let me know. Um, essentially, we, we, were, we were discussing, you know, the idea of disclosure, the government's coming out and saying, well, you know, there's, you know, multiple thousands, who knows how many civilizations out there, and we're interacting with them, and then when the time comes... And we, you know, they they open up and say, "Hey, they're among us," and we, you know, we can shift a paradigm shift, a technological shift, if you will. Right now, you could make the argument, and I've heard this made before, that arguably we're using alien technology now. Yes, that you know, it's it's reverse engineered for consumer benefit, military benefit, etc. 
But let's say you know there's a there is a full open honest disclosure. There's there's that 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 gate's open, can't be closed anymore. Are we ready as a species, you know, as as a as a society, right, in general, for a huge technological leap forward? And and what would it look like? Well, we don't have the maturity for it, or the spiritual well, or moral development. We, uh, well. Hmm. Okay. Look. First of all, let's let's be clear. Disclosure. The, the goal here of the movement, the activist movement, is to, is the capital D disclosure. That's simply the confirmation of their presence. That's it. That's all that is. Capital D disclosure. There's extraterrestrials here, non-human technology here. It's not. It, it's not us, right? Mm-hmm. Wherever it's from. And, and I and I appreciate all the alternative thinking, but I'm going to put my money on other solar systems, and I'm going to win that bet. Right, all the other things are interesting sci-fi. Right. That's disclosure. After that, we're in the post-disclosure world, and so you've raised a number of post-disclosure world points. Okay, valid point. All, disclosure is simply a big step step in the right direction, and then the question is, what do we do with it? There is a possibly apocryphal story associated with uh, Philip Corso. Now, I've heard it recently at some conferences I've been speaking at. It's coming back into play. The author uh, of the, the day after Roswell. The author of the day. Well, the 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 the, uh, the source for the day after Roswell, right. which was written by William Burns, uh, and he tells the story of, of the various things that he talks about. This is the one that you, you, you kind of wonder if he just didn't throw this in there to make a point, a personal point. But uh, on the other hand, it hasn't been disproven. But back, way back, when he was serving uh, out, out there in that area, uh, I forget the location, but it might have been, it was one of the test range, I believe, uh, a craft had come in, uh, possibly forced down by our radar systems, and he, 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 he came across this. And literally, the, the ET in that craft telepathically communicated with him and said, uh, sir, you know, Please turn off the radar. We need to get out of here. We need to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, so apparently telepathically said back to the ET, "What's in it for me, or for us?" And the ET supposedly said, "A new world if you can take it," which is a phrase that's been used by others over the years. True or not true, <clears throat> it is a wonderful antidote. A new world if you can take it. That is what disclosure is. It is. It, it opens up a new world if you can take it. Now, what does take it mean? It, it doesn't just mean uh, grab it, seize it, which to some degree is true. It also means can you handle it, right? Can you handle a new world like what would come after disclosure? And... And my answer is simply this. It doesn't matter whether we can handle it. It's coming. All right? Period. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, in 1900, people are starting to get a handle on atomic physics and they, and they get together and go, can the, can the people of Earth handle knowing more about the atom? Maybe we should slow down. Uh-uh. No way. And they didn't. And they're not going to do that. Can they handle IA, AI? Doesn't matter. It's coming, whether we like it or not. 
So the problem, as I pointed out already, is not whether people can handle change. The human has made it, the human being, the human species has made it quite clear now for thousands of years that we are extraordinarily capable of adapting and dealing with change. That is our premier skill. No other, no other animal on the planet even remotely comes close to what we can do there, right? Our ability to adapt to change is exceptional. Now, that ability to adapt, though, is affected by our, I guess you could say, political realities, our social contracts, because uh, whether we like it or not, you can't have 8 billion people on the planet just doing their own thing. Not going to work. And so you have complex social relationships. You have governments. And you have these, the, the, uh, you have that. So what has happened is that our fundamental ability as individuals to adapt to change is still there. And we will adapt to this. We will, uh, deal with it and, and I think thrive on it. But our social contracts have decayed to the point where they are going to have trouble dealing with it. All right? And so what is the answer to that? The answer is, well, if our social, if our, if our structures, if our governmental structures or our industrial structures or political structures can't handle change, I guess we're just going to have to stand still and do nothing. We'll just have to wait until somehow they get their act together and then we can learn the truth about our world. Uh-uh. No. The answer is simply this. If your societal structures cannot handle change, fix them. Don't just talk about it. Don't just complain about it. Fix them. And so they can deal with the change. And they can service all of us in the post-disclosure world. Well, well, Stephen, um, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, the gl- on a global level, governments have the same narrative. Uh, in my experience, most governments couldn't organize a checkers game. So, I mean... Uh, Who's coordinating all that? Change. Uh, paradigm shifts are not brought about by committee. In other words, major paradigm shifts happen because we learn more about the world that we're in. That was true of atomic physics, quantum physics, uh, breakthroughs in medicine, and on and on and on. It's not, it's not organized by committee. It just happens. And then we respond to it. Now, admittedly, the situation regarding the ET presence and the paradigm shift that its confirmation will bring about has probably been more structured than anything uh, that I'm aware of in history, meaning that the will, this thing is so big, so huge, uh, and because it began literally at the same time the Cold War was beginning and the nuclear arms race was beginning, this particular m- massive truth was held closely, classified, embargoed virtually on a worldwide basis. You had major countries that knew well about it. You had uh, secondary level countries that also knew about it and you had uh, the, what we call the third world or whatever you want to call them countries it really it, it didn't matter to them they have much bigger problems of whether or not they should tell the truth about the ET presence whether they knew it or not but in terms of the government 
governments of most of the world's population, which includes the United States, China, India, and the Soviet Union back then, pretty much most of the world's population, those nations were committed to, for various reasons, denying or embargoing this truth, embargoing this paradigm shift. So unlike probably any change of this magnitude in history, this one was contained. How orchestrated it was, it's not clear. We don't know the history of the truth embargo. That That's going to take thousands of books. I want to make a documentary about it. Made two efforts so far. Haven't been able to pull it off, but who knows? I'm getting closer. Uh, but yeah, we want to come to understand how it happened. Uh, we don't want this to ever happen again. But this, this particular paradigm shift, I, I must agree, was contained and maintained on a somewhat coordinated level, though each country had its own reasons. And any one of those countries could have ended the embargo any time they wanted to. It wasn't as if, uh, say, Soviet Union confirmed the ET presence and the United States was going to launch a nuclear war against them. Same for China. No. It was a, a common... Uh, you know, there's a sense of, of of commonality here, meaning we all have our reasons, but we don't want the people to know that we're not alone in the universe. Okay, so it's kind of unique in that respect. However, and the process of ending the truth embargo is not all that coordinated. I assure you, you don't have a bunch of world leaders meeting in secrecy to discuss how we're going to finally tell the truth. Why? Because if they did, the whole thing would leak immediately. There's no way to contain it. And so each country is dealing with this pretty much on its own and making those decisions. I have right? to point out one thing that's very strange. Uh, when you received your script yesterday, Ben, were there discussion questions? There were about ten, and they uh, have disappeared from our printed script. That is very strange. Uh, yeah. I'm not, not going to blame Stephen for that. But, uh, odd. Oh, well. Very odd. Is what it is. Well, it's not that we don't remember the questions. No, 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 no. Uh, and, I, and I guess before before time runs out here, Stephen, tell us a little bit about your organization, how people can find out more about you, because we're just burning right yeah, through the website, hour here. Website, Well, yeah, how much how much time have we got? Like, just ten minutes, right? Yeah, just, oh. just shy. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. very quickly, here's what, here's what you people need, your listeners need to know. The disclosure process is picking up speed in the U.S. I mean, it's, it's moving forward now, warp speed. Uh, the new, there's already been three years of legislation focused within the Nas- National Defense Authorization Act, uh, and within that was the Intelligence Authorization Act, but it's all part of the larger mm-hmm. act. There is now a new language being put together that's getting, getting coverage, we're learning, that they're going even further. Uh, witnesses have been interviewed, a, num- a, a number of politicians are calling for hearings, one committee chair wants hearings right away. Uh, we know who the witnesses are going to be. When those witnesses testify before the appropriate committee, which I believe will, will be the Senate Intel Committee, the embargo is done. It's over. It'll be over so fast, it'll make, it, you, you, if, you, if you blink, you'll miss it. Uh, so we could see those hearings and the confirmation from the United States President this summer. Soon. It's moving that fast. So fast, I cannot keep up with it. The articles being generated in the press are in the thousands. I can barely keep up with them. If you go to my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, resources, 
slide down to print media archive, hit the flash page, go through the flash page to the archive, and there you will find 13,000 articles, of which 600 were printed this year. And these articles are focusing on these developments, one after another after another. People are coming forward one after another. Witnesses are coming forward. Right? The truth embargo is about to end, whether we're ready or not. It's that simple. Then the question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with, one, learning that all of the nations of the world, particularly the, the big ones, have embargoed this issue for 76 years because they didn't think you could handle it, or they didn't think you had a right to know it, or they had their own agenda with respect to it. And during that same period, you had the evolution or the, 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 the nuclear uh, arms uh, proliferation and the Cold War that has put us virtually seconds away from nuclear war at any time. What are we going to do with it? I'm inviting everybody to start thinking about the post-disclosure world. Right? You go to my website, please. Sign up for the email list. I'm on Twitter, at Steve Bassett. Please, connect with me on Twitter. Okay. I, I'm following this as close as anybody. I soon will be back in Washington, D.C., uh, office just two blocks from the White House, and I'm going to be up on Capitol Hill. I've been out of, t I've been out of the uh, area for two years in Hollywood, trying to get some media going. You're going to see some of that very soon. The film industry is going to step into this thing big time, I assure you, and I don't mean more alien movies. I'm talking about the real subject matter with all their power and money and technology. That's coming, all right? And so get ready. Whether you're ready or not, get ready, uh, and you can participate in what's to follow, or you can simply watch, but you won't be able to ignore it. The biggest event in human history is coming. I, that's what I think is the biggest event, followed by perhaps the greatest age of reform the human race has ever seen. So those of you that have uh, got a few years left, join up, and okay, uh, well, let's uh, see if we can fix things. We, we admire the work and uh, encourage people to do that. Now, um, in our last few moments here, um, we heard through the grapevine that the Navy videos that kind of started this big discussion right now uh, released, I believe, in 2018, the so-called Tic Tac videos, were right. released in error. And the government had to respond and hence the discussion. Is there any credibility to that? No, they were not released in error. Okay. Uh, they, they were provided to, uh, I believe, Elizondo yep. uh, and cleared, and he brought them forward. And they knew exactly what was going to happen to those videos. They were going to end up in the New York Times. Where I think there's some confusion is there is, I believe, possibility that one of those videos, and I forget which one, I don't think it was the Tic Tac, was, I don't know if you call it leaked, but somehow, years ago, it got in the hands of some documentarists and included it in some doc that they did, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't, no one took notice, it didn't have any impact, and so that may have happened with one of the videos. But it's irrelevant to the development since 2017. Those three clips, which only show UAPs, there's no way to determine what they are or whether they're human or non-human made. They have some unusual characteristics, to be sure, are important, not because they prove the ET presence, 
they were important that they were released at all. This was basically the, 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 the Department of Defense of the United States saying, we're on board, we get it, we know where this is going, we want to show that we're, we're, we're changing our policy, that we're starting to move in the right direction, here's three gun camera clips, take them to the New York Times and let's get on with this. That was just the beginning of what has now been five years of, of cooperation, compliance, uh, legislation, and so forth. Maybe it's not going as fast as people want, but again, remember the historical circumstances. Uh, so uh, that's what's important about those clips. I assure you, there are thousands of not just 20-second clips, but half-hour clips and longer in the vaults of the United States military regarding intercepts of UAPs by our by our airplanes, Navy and Air Force. And that's true of the UK, it's true of Russia, China, every nation with the Air Force, thousands of them. They film these intercepts and they put them in the vault because if they were made public, clearly the truth embargo could not stand. Mm. And so the, the three clips coming out of the DOD and ending up on the New York Times website was more symbolic than it was confirmatory. But as symbolic, it was huge. It was okay, a clear yeah. statement and I knew it the moment I saw them that like they essentially have yielded to the activist disclosure movement. We are going to get disclosure. It's just a matter of time. It, it turned out to be years, but I believe, as I say in my hashtag on Twitter, it's now hashtag weeks, not months. Mm. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. We'll have to do another show because there uh, all sorts of questions we didn't get into. I know. And things are moving fast. Yeah, they are. Very fast. Stephen, uh, thank you so much. We'll be in touch off the air. Hey, look, I, I, I can do as many shows as you want. It's my job. Yeah, fair good. enough. <laughs> okay. Then uh, take it away. Sure thing. <clears throat> Okie dokie. So you can look for us at the Exeter UFO Festival. That's on Labor Day weekend. Uh, that's September 2nd and 3rd, right around the corner. And we plan to do our traditional show from there live uh, with the audience on uh, September 3rd. And the Greater New England UFO Conference is back, and this will be a one-day-only event on November 4th in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and you can watch for more information about that. And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WOON, AM, and FM. You can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, everything from Spotify to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Anywhere where you find your podcasts, there we will be. Okay, and you can download our show app. It's free at BehindTheParanormal.com. You can also browse our books on the website, along with those of our guest co-hosts. And you can check out our show website with our charity page with several links to good causes that we've adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and most recently, a GoFundMe page for the folks in East Palestine, Ohio, uh, site of the recent train wreck and chemical fire. So what's going on next week, then? Well, on July 2nd, uh, we'll welcome back blockbuster water monster novelist Stephen Alton to uh, talk about his uh, MEG series and movies and for a look at The Lock. Your, your bag, Lake Monster. I do, I do really enjoy Lake Monsters. We leave you today with a profound thought from Babe Ruth, of all people, the great baseball player. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. 
I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of 